Hey, thanks for joining us for our teaching time this morning. And I am personally loving this series, this journey through 2 Corinthians, this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth that was kind of this letter, not not of rebuke. He had, he had written one of those, uh, and it was he called it the severe letter. But this was kind of a letter of like, okay, well, what do we do now? It's kind of that conversation, maybe if you're a parent, you have with your kid after you've gotten angry and upset in that moment, and then you're like, all right, let's how do we actually move forward in these moments? And, and that's what this letter is of Second Corinthians. And Paul's been laying out these concepts in the believer's life that we should first experience from God and then squeeze it out, have be freshly squeezed out to other people where they're experiencing it as well. We the, These aspects of the Christian life are not designed to just be absorbed into our life and held on to. They're actually designed to be spread out to other people as well. And this was what Paul was saying. Look, we can we can get in some bad cycles in our life as if we stay away from God or if all we do is try to hoard the things of God that he pours into our life. And instead, the way you get into the right rhythm of living is to experience and express it out. And we in the first three chapters, we walk through kind of a, a triad of things of experiencing comfort and being able to forgive and experience forgiveness so that we can walk in confidence. And now we're beginning the next three chapters or kind of the next triad. And this uh, one in Second Corinthians 4 today really is a word and an experience and a, and a concept that you and I have, if you've been around Christian living at all, you have heard this word thousands and thousands of times. And it's almost just become a word that's a label versus actually something we do and experience. And the word and the concept we're going to talk about today is the idea of faith. How do we have both experience and express faith in our lives? And I don't know about you, but like I get so used to even just using that word like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm a person of faith. I part of a faith family. And it just, it's like a, a label that I can wear to let people know I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I go to church. It's part of my life. It's just, it's a quick word that I can use to, to let people know, uh, you know, just a little bit about who I am. Like I, you know, I'd say I'm, I live in New York. I'm from Long Island City. I'm a pastor. I, it's just another, I am a person of faith. And faith is so much more than that. And this is where we're going to look at this morning. What is it and how do we live it out? And what are the dangers of not living it out uh, the right way? And so let's jump right into it this morning. We're going to look in verse one of Second Corinthians four, and then we're going to jump a little later in the passage and really dive in. But I love verse one. We're coming out of Paul telling us in those first three chapters, be people of comfort, be people of forgiveness, and be people that walk in a confidence. And he go, he says this in verse one, he goes, therefore, and whenever we hear the word therefore, we always guess, what is it therefore? He's saying we're coming out of something and doing something. So verse one, therefore, having this ministry of mercy, this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. What What is this ministry he's talking about? It is this comfort, forgiveness, and confidence, walking like that. And then he puts a part on here that really starts us to transition into the next one. He says, and we do not lose heart in doing this. Like we don't lose 
heart and constantly giving people comfort and constantly being willing to give forgiveness and to walk in confidence. And we don't lose heart because of faith. We're going to see that that's what he lays out later in this passage. Paul knew the importance of living by faith. And let's talk about this for a minute. Because here are some, some basic ideas. You and I can, can know Jesus, like know about him, and not have faith, like actually not live by faith. We can have a basic understanding of who he is to know him, but that doesn't mean we have faith. We, we can also follow Jesus and not have faith. And you go, what? no, 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 that's what faith is. There was a lot of people who just followed Jesus around who got a little bit of a teaching here or there and held on to that. Yeah, love your neighbor as yourself. I'll, I'll try that piece and, and hold on to that one. Or, you know, God's mercies are new every day. I'll take that part of the promise. That's the part I will follow. And so just following and picking and choosing the little pieces that we want isn't really living by faith either. And, and maybe here's the hardest one to digest. You can actually love Jesus and not have faith. You can have reverence for him and awe and respect and a genuine love for him and still not actually live by faith, actually put it into practice. There are things I love that I don't do all the time that are not a daily part of my life. And this is what faith is. Faith, all these things can lead to faith, but ultimately, Faith is living differently when it comes to the tensions of our life. That's doing the ministry he talked about in, in verse 1 and not losing heart. Living differently when the tensions, when certain tensions come into our life. And Paul gets personal about how we are to do this. And this shows up, how this shows up in our life. And we're going to look at this this morning of, of how we actually live out faith. How do we first experience it so that then we can express it to others? And Paul, starting in verse 7, uh, goes into a, a famous passage of Scripture here who kind of where he goes back and forth, back and forth, talking about attention and a response, attention and a response. And this is what faith is. We experience attention and we respond in faith. And so let's look at verse 7 and see how this plays out, how this begins to play out. Second Corinthians 4 verse 7 says this, but we have this treasure, this faith, in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For for we live, for we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work, of a, at work in us, but life in you. Now, did you catch those? He's constantly going back. You're these jars of clay, but you have this surpassing power. You're afflicted, but not struck down. You're back and forth, back and forth, life and death. And so what Paul says at the beginning of faith is this. Is he lays the groundwork very clearly here. Faith is not the removal of these things in your life. 
not the removal, removal of persecution, of being perplexed, uh, of being feeling like you're being pressed down on every side. It's not the removal of those things. It is the passage and the response to those things that allow us to walk through them. And so let's look at each of these couplets right quick and, and see what these tensions are that are going to come into your life. And, and the first one is this. He, he compares us to jars of clay. He says, you have this beautiful thing in jars of clay. You're a jar of clay. Now, and maybe you think that's a beautiful thing. Like you have decorative vases around your, your apartment and uh, you're like, oh, you know what is he's comparing me to something beautiful. He's actually not. He's comparing you to something very cheap and easily broken. A jar of clay in those times were like our Tupperware containers. Like they were the cheapest things you could put something in because you know what? They're probably not going to last. And what's more important is what's inside. And, and what he's setting up right here is when he compared us to jar of clay, he's like, your life is going to experience brokenness. It's going to. Brokenness is going to come into her. Like we are fragile. Bumps are going to cause us to fall off the table and shatter. We're going to be dropped unexpectedly. It's going to happen no matter what you do. Brokenness is going to come into your life. And this makes us ask a question is, you know, did, did God make a mistake with me? Like I constantly seem to be broken. Things keep happening in my life. Just it keeps falling apart. Is is my life broken? That's a tension that comes into our life, right? Did, did God make a mistake? Why do I feel so broken? That's the first tension he brings up. And then he brings up a second tension. He says, we are afflicted. Now that word afflicted literally means to be pressed on every side. It was a word used to describe what happens to grapes when they are put into a wine press. Literally, they feel the pressure, close in on them, and the, everything within them is squeezed out. Unforeseen forces pushing on us. And we feel this, right? And, and this brings uncertainty into our life. Like, when is the next pressure going to come? Like, you can be walking through life and all of a sudden it changes instantly. And you feel afflicted, pressed on every side. And this makes us ask a question is, why is this happening? Not just did you make a mistake to me, but, but God, why is this happening? You ever felt that tension in your life? Of course you have. We all have. We all have these moments. We're like, why? Why is this happening? But he doesn't stop there. He gives us another tension in our life. He says, you're going to be perplexed. Now, this word means to be left without resources. It's bad enough that we're getting squeezed, but sometimes we start to feel empty-handed like a soldier running into a battle without a weapon or any defense. We see the trial and we think we are ill-equipped to handle this. And, and here's what it makes us feel. We feel helpless, right? Not just uncertain, like when's the next one coming? But while we're in this battle, we feel helpless to do anything about it. We feel perplexed and it makes us ask this question, what can I do? You ever had that tension in your life? God, I, I don't even know how I got into this situation, but what can I do to get out of it? I feel helpless. Another tension that we can all relate to. And then he says, you're going to also feel persecuted. Now this word means to actually be chased or pursued by something with an intent to harm you. Now, I, it's not a good feeling. Even thinking about that, right, is not a good feeling. I remember whether it was times in early high school when, you know, you were bullied or 
you know, crazy times on the streets here in New York where you feel like unsafe. Somebody's coming after you and you're with ill intent and you're just wanting to get out of the way. This is, they create this tension in movies all the time, right? The chase scenes, like whether it's in a car, just running down the street, like somebody is coming to get you and to catch you, they have ill intent in mind. And you know what this causes in our life? Fear, fear. And I've gotten like when I watch chase scenes in movies, like I just want to fast forward because like too much tension, too much fear. Because my question is this and the tension it brings up is when is this going to end? When is this going to end? Have you ever felt that tension in your life? God, when is this going to end? When is this persecution going to end? This pressure I'm feeling, this helplessness I'm feeling, this fear I'm feeling, when is it going to end? That's not the last tension he brought up, though, is it? Paul tells us another one. He says, you're going to be struck down. This word literally means to be thrown to the ground. Like the guy catches you, whoever's pursuing you, he catches you, throws you to the ground, and you may be desperate to escape and try to get away from dark and difficult days of your life, but you feel caught up, you feel beaten. And when you get caught like that, when they're standing over you in those circumstances, it seems to have caught you and just pressed you down. You're struck down. You feel hopeless. You feel hopeless and alone. And it makes you ask the question, this tension is, where's the help? Where are you, God? Where is everyone else? We feel caught. We feel struck down. And it, and it almost ends there, right? But then he says, you're also going to be given over to death. You know, and I smile at this because death is its truly unavoidable. The end of our life, the, the ultimate, what we view as the ultimate end of our life, it is happening. It will happen today, tomorrow, whenever. Death is actually the most normal part of the human life. It's the one thing we all experience together. But it's still the most painful tension that we have to process. The fear of death, the fear of losing others to death, the fear of getting caught and being overwhelmed by these circumstances so much. And when we do this, we do feel dead. And we ask the question, how will I survive? How will I survive? We get caught. We feel helpless. Where is everyone? And then we start saying, how will I survive this? Guess what? You won't always survive this in the physical world. But through faith, we can survive this. We can deal with all of these. Now, we all experience these tensions, right? Uh, why is this happening? Did God make a mistake? What can I do? When will this end? Where's the help? How am I going to survive this? We all experience these tensions. Paul lays that out. And I can imagine this is the part where everybody's going, yeah, I remember, I know, I understand that. I, I'm dealing with that right now. And faith is this. Faith is not, again, the removal of those tensions, it's not what it is. Paul is very clear. We have this ministry and we don't lose heart in these ministries as we walk through this. But yet we often, we, we say we love Jesus. We say we know him. We want to follow him. But when we get these tensions, we don't respond in faith. We respond in ourselves and we don't have the right response. And again, you, you may love him, but you don't, you're not actually living out of faith in him, believing 
that help is on the way, that things can be overcome. And, and here's what happens. Here's typically what happens when we have these tensions in our life and no faith and, and no response and faith. I think four things happen. One, we give the problem all the power. We look at it, the problem becomes so big, the darkness becomes so blinding that it's all we see. We give it the control and the power in our lives because we can't see around it or how to avoid it. We just give the problem all the power. And then when we do this, then it takes us the next thing. Then we start to forsake the promises of God. We stop looking to God who is in that broken jar of clay and we just focus on our fragile lives. We forget that we have the power of the creator at work in us. And so we forget not just forget his promises, we forsake them. We don't believe them. Which then leaves us, that we start to then overestimate the impact of the consequences of these tensions. We start living in worst case scenario world. The darkness becomes unavoidable, uncontrollable, the pain too great and the consequences too severe. We overestimate the impact of these consequences. And then finally, we, and we end up dismissing any personal or historical display of God's faithfulness, right? We just dismiss it. We stop looking back at what God has already done in our life when he came through for us in the past and how we and so many others have walked through every one of these tensions multiple times in our life and come through the darkness on the other side. And, and we forget that even death has lost its sting because of the work of Jesus. And we dismiss the displays of God's faithfulness. This is what happens when we operate without faith. The tensions are coming. And if you believe faith is removal of these tensions, you will always be disappointed. But if you walk through these tensions without acting in faith with a proper response of, of how Paul's going to teach us here, then you're going to end up giving the problem the power, forsaking the promises of God, overestimating the impact of the consequences and dismissing God's faithfulness. So what are the beliefs? What are the responses that Paul teaches us here in these moments of tension that we should embrace? So let's walk back through these right quick with the proper response. He says, when you realize that you are a jar of clay, when you realize that you are broken, remember that inside of that jar is the surpassing power of Christ. Here's the deal. Your goal isn't to keep your jar from breaking, but to embrace the resources that are going to flow out of the cracks of your brokenness. You break a jar with wheat in it or flour in it, what do you do? You make bread. You break a jar with beans in it, what do you do? You make soup. Your life breaks through pain and hardship, what do you do? You allow the power of God in your life to make something meaningful out of it. And instead of asking, was MMI a mistake? We start living with purpose. When our jar breaks, when we experience our brokenness, it is in that moment we begin to, by faith, remember and act on the idea that in this moment of brokenness, I'm about to experience the surpassing power of Christ. It's coming up. What are we gonna make with this? What's gonna happen? I'm broken, there's gonna be a purpose. That's faith. Then he says, when you are afflicted, right? When you feel pressed down on every side, he says, by faith, you will not be crushed. You're not gonna be crushed that way, like that growth. Faith tells us you will not be crushed. Instead, when we start to look outside of ourselves to God, who is our ever, ever present help in time of need, 
That's what we begin to do. Not, not just the pressure that's coming, but then we look for the provision that's coming from God. And what this does, it gives us strength to stand to the pressure. Not the removal of the pressure, but the strength to stand. To realize, even though you're being, feel like you're being afflicted, pressed in, you are not going to be crushed. There is strength inside of you because of the, uh, the surpassing power of Christ. What about when you feel perplexed, right? When you, you feel this idea that, you know, you're just caught. When you feel perplexed, you're, it says that then we are not driven to despair. When you feel empty-handed, without resources, and you look to, you start to look to God and say, what must I do? This is not the conversation of complaining to God. And it's not that God can't take our complaints. But that's just being perplexed. God, I don't have anything to get through this. I feel helpless. I feel like I don't have any tools. No, we are not driven to despair. We are driven to ask God for help. And this is where we receive wisdom that overcomes our, what am I to do? Do you want to know actually what to do? Then know that the wisdom to walk through your pain, this darkness comes from God. But we it's this engaging and asking for it. We find purpose. Our jar is broken. What are we going to make of this? Purpose. We're starting to feel crushed. We find strength to stand up to this pressure from God, our sufficient Savior. And then we feel perplexed. We feel helpless. And we say, all right, this is the beginning of, of making something out of this. I'm going to grow in wisdom. I'm going to ask God, how do I wisely walk through this? What about when you feel persecuted? He says, and when you're persecuted, you are not forsaken. You're not forsaken. When you feel overwhelmed and like you're being chased down and hunted, you aren't alone. We talked about with confidence last week, we walk with God. We don't have to call him and hope that he shows up just in time. If we're being chased down, he is there with us. God is our ever-present help in time of need. And even when we feel alone, we have to remember that God is not leaving us alone. You have to, that is faith. It's, it's believing in a different truth than what your current reality is telling you. And this gives us endurance to keep running, to keep trying to move away from that persecution. Again, it's not that it's going to be removed, but it gives us endurance to know I'm not alone. You know, I can do a lot of things longer and better with somebody else. If you've ever tried to work out or exercise, like it's just better with somebody else. You seem to get more accomplished. You seem to have more accountability and you, you, you can endure longer. There's encouragement that comes and that's what he's saying here. So you're not forsaken. What about if you're feeling struck down, like you've been caught and they're standing over you? He says the belief to hold on to then is that you are not destroyed. You're not destroyed. Even when you feel like the difficulties have overtaken you and you're entering the most desperate and darkest moments of your life, and they will come. They will come. We've all experienced some desperate and dark moments this year. But it is in those moments, in those desperate and dark moments, it's not just endurance that comes. It is, remember that brokenness? that we first experienced, that that's this is where God begins to 
take those pieces and put them back together. At what we think is the very depth is where healing begins. This is the promise of God. That in our, in our, at our very worst, in our very helpless moment, that's when healing, when he starts to help us put the pieces back together of our life. And if you're struck down today, remember there, you're not destroyed. There is healing coming. You're not alone. And God's taking those pieces and putting something else back together. It may not be what was, but there is something new that will be. And then finally, he says, right, you're, you're given over to death. But even in death, Jesus is manifested in our life, in our flesh, it says. And I love later on, Paul says, one of his creeds is for me to live as Christ and me for to die as gain. Like what, what he's basically saying is there is no losing in this game of life for a person who lives by faith in Christ. Like if you live, this is what's going to happen. You may feel broken, but you know, there's a surpassing power. And, and, and even though you may feel helpless, it's God's provision is there. And this, this whole process, even when you feel like you're at the very bottom, there's healing and he restores your life. And, and there's something beautiful moving forward. But he says, even if I die, then you know, that's game too. Like I, I get to be with my savior. There's no losing in this game. Every road, every road leads to a reflection of Christ through the experiences of our life, right? Whether it's a road of pain, a road of blessing, this is how faith, Jesus is manifested in our life. And what this gives us is peace, peace, even for life's darkest moments, the end of life. There's even peace in that. And so we move from this fear mindset and uh, like hopelessness uh, and helplessness and uncertainty and brokenness to embracing purpose and strength and wisdom and endurance and healing and peace. That's what tension with belief looks like. It's not the removal again, it's the endurance through. And so how does this tension with belief, what, what then actually starts to be produced in your life? And I think here's what happens. We start moving from asking why to asking how. Why, when, what, is this all a mistake, are the easy questions to ask. But how is the better question to ask? How is God going to demonstrate his surpassing power, his faithfulness, his, his healing in my life in these times? So we move from asking why to asking how, and we move from prevention to perseverance. We have to lay down this mindset of avoidance and instead embrace the idea of strengthening for the race ahead. We are not trying to prevent these bad things from happening in our life. It doesn't mean that we want to cause them either, but we're talking about perseverance through them. And we move from delivered from to delivered through mindset. So it's not God... Faith is not God removing me from something, picking me up like a claw out of a, you know, game and dropping us out of the, into the chute. It's persevering through. It's making it through, not from, but through. And finally, our mindset moves from viewing problems to viewing possibilities. What could be next? What could be next? Every problem has an opportunity to be redeemed, to be used for good. 
most of you know, I, I lost my mom almost a year ago. Uh, February 3rd of 2020 is when she passed. And uh, this may seem obvious, but I, I never knew my dad without my mom, right? <laughs> when I was born, they were married and I've, they've always been together. It's always been mom and dad, Pat and Tommy, me, mom, pops. They've just, just always been them too. Well, when mom passed, um, as difficult as that was and still processing through, walking through these tensions and, and getting, trying to live by faith through that, I've watched my dad do that as well. And I got to spend a good bit of time with my dad over the holidays. And one of the things we talked about is like, I said, dad, I'm getting to know a new you that I never knew because I only knew you with mom. And he said to me, he said, I am too. I'm getting to know a new me because I've been with your mom for, you know, 55 plus years. And I, it was this, it's not that there weren't problems there. Like there's not pain that he's still not dealing with. But he had a mindset of possibilities of like, what what could be? Like my life isn't over. There, there's a piece missing. There's pain there. But God is bringing these pieces back together through healing and giving me peace to, to look at a future. And I thought it's a beautiful example of living in tension, but with belief and faith and seeing how it plays out in your life. So quickly to close with, how does this get squeezed out of us? And this is what he talks about in verse 13 here of chapter four. And let me read that. He says, since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. Verse 15 is key. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. He's saying here, look, as we live by this faith, as we start to do that, the grace extends to more and more people. But it's not that the brokenness of our world goes away, right? But the healing from that brokenness, the grace becomes more and more evident. It's not that we're going to live in a perfect world, no pain, all that's gone. It just means when the pain comes, we actually handle it in the right way. We start moving in the right direction. And the problem is this. I think while we don't get squeezed out sometimes as we start to, to live a passive faith, like we think it's something that happens to us. So pain comes and I just sit back and wait for, you know, well, I'm a person of faith. God better do something help this situation for me. And we sit back and we think faith is something I have or something I hold on to or something I must need more of if it's not happening yet. Or faith is something I'm trying to live up to one day. I guess I don't have enough faith to go through this pain if it isn't going away. The problem with the passive outlook on faith is it doesn't lead to a life of pleasure, peace, meaning, and hope. It leads to decay. We're missing out on the pleasure of the Christian life when we embrace the idea that my faith is designed to just meet my needs, give me comfort, give me safety and security. The truth is you can find all of those things, safety, comfort, security, locked in a prison cell. And that's not what God wants for us to sit back, hiding, just waiting in the removal of all things. Faith is not a sleep aid or a sedative that causes us to walk through life like zombies just trying to make it to the end so we can eat, sleep, and shower and go through it again. 
hoping that we might have enough money at the end of these days saved up for a week at the beach in the summer. That's not faith. That's not faith, protective, hiding, keep these things away from me, getting back in the corner and, and not experiencing life. And you know what? If that's what you think faith is and that's the way you're living your faith, nobody wants your passive faith. It's not attractive to anybody. It's not something that people are desperate for that's extending to more and more people. Living by faith isn't passive. It's active. It's engaging. The problem comes, we experience brokenness, we get in there. We're feeling chased. We we realize God's giving us strength to keep running. We get pressed down. We're, we know we're not alone. We're not helpless. It is active. And to do these things, it means you're living life. You're out there running, doing it. Active faith, faith, here's what it is. Faith is something I do. Faith is something I exercise in my life. I'm actually doing it. It's, it's that I engage more of. The deeper the problem, the, the more I'm trusting the promises of God. And ultimately, faith is something I'm trying to live out of. Not just live off of, but live out of. To move forward. Active faith is attractive. People look at it and go, I feel broken. I feel pressed on every side. I feel perplexed. I feel struck down. I, I feel like life is closing in on me too. I, all those tensions other people have as well. And when they see you not run from it or not just pray, God, remove it from it, but they see you boldly walking through it, through the surpassing power of Christ that gives you every strength that you need to endure through every challenge that you will face, to know that you're being healed and made new to, to continue walking through life. That's attractive and that's active faith. So my question for you today is this, are you living by faith? Are you just trying to know Jesus more, you know, pick a few of his commands to follow or just maybe I just need to love him more? All those things, yeah, you should do those things, but ultimately they should lead us to a faith that's active and moving. Don't let your pain, don't let your darkness that you're experiencing right now make you go hide in the corner and say, God, take this away. Instead, let that pain and darkness embolden you to walk in faith through the darkest moments, the deepest pain, and come out healed on the other side. You know, maybe you're struggling in some of these areas. I would love and be happy to talk with you about that. You can reach out to me via my email, and I'm happy to to dialogue or set up a time to talk about that. We also have time right after the service where many in our faith family get together via Zoom and we talk about this teaching right now and how it's impacting our thoughts and minds and where we're maybe struggling to, to not be passive and to be active or which one of these tensions are overwhelming us right now. And I'd love to have you join us. Uh, in the Facebook comments right now is a link you can click on uh, to join a group. Uh, you can also go to new-citychurch.com slash Zoom to find the link there. Uh, or you can connect with one of our groups later in the week. You can find those groups on our website as well. But I encourage you, take a moment to talk with others about it. Maybe right now, more than anything, you need to talk to God 
about this, about what it means to live by faith, to experience it and to live it out in such a way that you're expressing it to others. And so let's just pray together. And in this moment of prayer, we'll ask God to help take this teaching and ingrain it into our lives. Father, we're grateful for your truth. God, and we're thankful for faith that we do get to not just stockpile faith, but we get to live on it. It's the fuel of our lives to believe your promises, to put them to the test, to end our moments of feeling struck down or persecuted or perplexed or afflicted or that we are just broken in every way. God, you are there with your surpassing power, with hope, with help, with endurance, with strength. You are there. Help us to live like that, fueled by that faith, not shrinking back into a corner, but actually moving forward. God, thank you for that gift. And thank you that you are a God who never leaves us or forsakes us, no matter how difficult or dark the times may be. We love you. Thank you for loving us in this way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hope to see you online. Uh, here in a few minutes. If not, we will see you next week. Have a great time.